Today's guest is Spencer Elliott and Patrick Van Dusen with ViewStub. And we want to welcome you guys to the Interim Whisperer. We're very excited to have you. Of course, I know you guys from our favorite place, Starter Studio, where we all get started as startups. So welcome to the show, guys. Thank you for having me. Yes, thank you for having us. I'm so excited. So our show is all about the future. Um, we talk about education. You know, remember it's in the intern whisper. So it's like we all got started someplace. Educating students for career paths, sharing your ideas of what mentoring means, and innovation in business. And you guys are a startup that's been funded. So I'm looking forward to hearing what your wild ride of startup life has been, as well as what you think the industry holds for five years from now. So let's go ahead and jump into it. I'm gonna let Spencer go first. Uh, and what I thought we'd do is the questions that were unique to each of your background, let you guys each share, and then we might alternate some of the other questions that are more about the company. So Spencer, you go first. What is your educational background? Where did you go to college? If so, not everybody has gone to college, honestly. And what was your major? Tell us about that. Yeah, you're, you're right. I actually was one of the first members. I think I am the only member still to have graduated from college in my extended family as well. So uh, you're absolutely right about that. But went to the University of Central Florida right here in Orlando, uh, where I was born and raised and um, started out with an associate's degree, actually, from Seminole State College. Uh, had to pay my way through all, all my schooling and uh, ended up working for a software company called TravelClick for about two years and then decided to go get my master's degree in entrepreneurship from the University of Florida. Wow. Okay. I have been to all of those. Well, not Seminole State. My first two years of college was University of Florida. Um, my I took my education classes at UCF, but you are heavy in all of these Florida-based schools. That is excellent. You probably have a lot of fans. Yeah, it keeps the tuition low. If you yeah, it sure it. does. I did not know that you had a master's. A master's in what? In entrepreneurship. So it was either that or an MBA. And I said, you know, I, I prefer to follow my passion and, um, you know, decided to pull the trigger and, and study the management and leadership and venture finance side of things. So. Hmm. I've got a question that I'm going to ask both of you after this. How about you, Patrick? What's your background? Because you did not come from Florida originally, I think. No, I did not. I went to a school called ECPI in Virginia Beach, Virginia, and I got my business degree there. Um, and just a regular business degree, um, business management and operations. Okay, so you're both really, really a good fit for that then. So what um, came out of this question that I had is like, how did you two meet? Uh, we actually met in that room that you're sitting in right now. There we go, at Starter Studio, one of the conference rooms. Was it an event here at, the, at Starter Studios? Yes, it was a pitch night, yep. Oh, yeah, pitch night, uh, March 21st, 2018. I knew you knew the exact date. Patrick is, he knows every date. I would say that sounds like an anniversary that's coming up and should be celebrated because like, look how far you've come in the course of like now three years, right? I agree. I agree. Yeah. We definitely should. Yeah. Yeah, three yeah. Years. yeah. So you'll have to uh, go out and celebrate in some way that's fitting of of an entrepreneur and a startup, for sure. Um, so when you- I mean, um, with a budget. <laughs> yeah, well, get somebody else to buy your beers for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or, you know, whatever. Yeah, somebody, uh, find somebody that's having free nickel beer night, I guess. I don't even think they have nickel beer night anymore here. Probably not. I know. That's probably a yeah. good thing. <laughs> probably, but yeah. So- so that's your background and you know we'll we'll jump into like all of the good starter stuff here but what was your first job i'll go back to patrick um what was your very first job that you had and were you ever an intern uh yeah so the first job i had was actually self-employed at the age of 17 and i made decals for local car shops and clothing brands um and it was just out of my house um and I, I made money to pay for my gas on my senior year of high school and whatnot. 
And um, I did have one internship. It was at Safe Light Auto Glass, the, uh, the biggest windshield company in America. Yeah. And um, interned there for just a business manager, operations, business development, uh, which is really cool. So I got to shadow one of my clients in another business. He, he gave me the internship. So That sounds super cool. How about you, Spencer? What was your very first job? Uh, technically, I think I had a landscaping company um, for a while when I was, you know, still uh, early, early, um, early high school days. But I, I specifically remember um, the same summer I ended up working at a skateboard shop um, called Blacktop Skate Shop on the weekends, and then I was working at a Christmas tree uh, lot uh, for the entire summer. So um, those were my first two jobs. I think they started almost the same exact day. Um, oh, that's but, funny. So it looks like you two have the landscaping thing and as a common, I don't know, common, one uh, commonality. Yeah, because Patrick, he told me when I first met him, the thing I remembered is he had a lawn mowing business. So Patrick, what is your role with the company now? Uh, business development, operations, marketing, um, anything that drives new customers and gets our name out there. So I was looking for your pictures, right? Because we're gonna be putting those up in social feed. And I could not find a picture of you. And I'm going, how is that possible? You're the person in sales. I would think that you're like in front of everybody and there would be pictures of you. And I, I could find tons of pictures of Spencer, but not you. So you keep in a low profile as a salesperson, I guess. Yes, I'm actually more active on Instagram, um, oh. but I am active on LinkedIn and Facebook too, um, but not Twitter. Um, most active on Instagram. So. Oh, okay. All right. Um, is that the company's favorite channel? Is that how you guys promote? Where do you guys get your most customers? For me, it's LinkedIn. Um, it's actually all types of channels, just because we work in different types of industries and different types of our sizes of events and and whatnot. So it's, it's all different types of channels. Uh, but I would say LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram are the in top. In that three. order? Um, I would say they're pretty equal for the most part. It depends on, you know, if it's in the music or entertainment space and, or like a conference, of course, like a lot of your professional events are on LinkedIn and a lot of your artists on Instagram and then, you know, and then they kind of blend into, into Facebook. So, uh, event organizers and professionals are pretty much just about on every platform. Yeah, they are. Nothing beats a good referral. I think, uh, we would say that a lot of our um, networking is, is part of our current success. You know, a lot of that um, comes around even months and years later uh, when people, you know, start to make those referrals for you. So. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I know that's true. So mm -hmm. neither one of you guys are video people. And I always find it interesting, like, why did you start View Step? What's the story behind there? Because you're not video production. You just shared what your majors are. And how did that become the thing that you said, we're going to do it th this? So Spencer, um, why don't you lead that one off? Yeah, um, you know, and back to the internship um, stuff. So I actually worked with a couple um, internships through college and, um, you know, got really interested in entrepreneurship. And I think that led to me um, constantly looking for, you know, businesses that I could start. Um, and I know Patrick was also passionate about entrepreneurship at the time. So I think that's a big driving force in why we started ViewStub. Uh, but we did have a company called Beyond 360 together. Uh, I remember that one. And so we were really excited about 360 video and 360 photos and uh, 3D mapping of venues. Uh, and then going through the UCF I-Corps program, uh, we discovered a lot of uh, things from our customers, you know, potential customers. And we learned a lot about, you know, the monetization of, you know, platforms like YouTube and how they were struggling to, to really make money from their events. And so that's when we set out to not only come up with a, a brand and, and a concept that we thought would be fun and exciting, uh, which of course events, live events are always gonna be fun and exciting, um, but also something that was scalable and sustainable long-term. And then my, um, my passion for events has gone uh, for years. Uh, actually, this shirt is from the first company I ever started. And I think one of your questions will talk about that later, but um, it was an event company. And then I worked um, for a company called Eventplicity. And so I've just constantly loved events. And I think Patrick was the same way. Uh, really was getting involved in events at that time. And so uh, I don't know, do you have anything to add to that, Patrick? But uh, yeah, um, yeah, love events, mainly just the networking and connecting people is the big thing is like the mission. 
uh, behind it, I would say, um, for, for me. Um, but as far as like, we're, we're not video people. I always kind of, when people ask, um, it's kind of like you look at Elon Musk and like Elon Musk isn't a car person and he's not a space person. Um, you know, when he created PayPal, he wasn't a finance person. He was just an entrepreneur that is driven by a higher mission. And those are just his vehicles. And um, I have a personal belief that if you keep your passion out of business, it actually works a lot better. You keep the passion out of business. That's an interesting- Your passion for the product. Got it. Okay. In in a sense, there's more context. So probably saying that someone's going to listen and be like, oh, uh, like kind of get that wrong, but there's more context to it. You don't want to be biased. You know what I mean? And I think that's kind of the point is that you want to, you know, leave your own perception at the door, uh, except for a small percentage needs to come through, but you don't want to overwrite other people's opinions, right? Is that? Yeah, you want to you want to let the, the business be driven by your customers for the most part, and, unless Absolutely. you're like unless like you're the you know the best you know baseball player in the world, you know you do have some you know say in what goes, but you know the the customers and the feedback needs to drive the company. I've seen your uh, business and you guys grow and um, and how it's been you know it's always a great journey. Um, but you went to Cal- you went to California, and I know that's one of the places. I remember Patrick coming back, and he was like so excited about you know who you guys had met, and he was giving me some tips and said, "Here, you know, this was a good tip, Patrick." So I'm going to give you the credit. But he said, "Sign up for everything that you can that's on a meetup event, and even if you don't go, you'll still get a list of." Uh, people that you can begin to connect with. And I went, oh, that was really smart. That's a good idea. I mean, I do that, but I hadn't thought about it as like the the lead side of it. So he's a good business development guy. He was giving yeah, me good tips. Spencer, did, Spencer does the same exact thing. Yeah, oh, I'm sure you guys do. On, on every trip. So figure out what networking apps and what events. He's actually usually the one who, who goes crazy on all that. Yeah, but I like to go. <laughs> I try to go. Yeah, <laughs> I, I prefer to go also because I, you know, it's certainly, well, I'm an extroverted uh, processor and I get my energy from people. So I like being around people. At the end of the day, though, it's exhausting when you've spent a lot of time with them. So it's nice to like not, you know, but have the list is the point. Just be able to have the list. So um, is that where you guys got your investor? Did it come from California or was it here in uh, Florida? Because I did not have that on the list of questions, but now I'm just curious. Sure, I'm happy to um, touch touch on that. So um, our original investment came from Starter Studio, actually. Um, so oh we yeah, you were in the seed program, right? Yep, so um, I was in that. <clears throat> I was in the ideation accelerator when I met Patrick and mm-hmm. then that uh, you know ex- um, expired and then evolved into uh, the seed, seed fund. Uh, the seed fund accelerator. We were also in the catalyst venture scale up accelerator at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, they ended up uh, making an investment and we we're very fortunate that they did. And that was the beginning of it all really. And um, I, I think all of our investments are from the Southeast um, and we've you know raised over a million dollars this year uh, in fundraising. And we're really excited about the, the future of new stuff uh, being that we just launched you know this year um, and, and starting to see a lot of the traction and um, just everyone getting involved. Um, but we, you know, uh, next big group that invested with us was Seed Funders. Uh, and we were one of the first. That's right. So Seed Funders Orlando. Uh, and now they're Seed Funders Tampa as well. And uh, Beresford Ventures, another local group. Um, you know, they came in uh, right right away as well with um, Seed Funders. Now, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, we did start out with a grant from i um, so not necessarily. I had one of those too. I was one of the i ones that got that little grant also. It changes everything, that little bit of money sometimes. That was the first money into the company. And um, we probably stretched that $2,500 for six months. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say kudos to Star Studio for helping us with the office space since day one. Um, we've always had an office at a Star Studio. Um, and we've only recently started paying for it now that we're in the UCF incubator. Um, but still kudos to them too for, you know, obviously discounted rates and mentorship and and everything that comes out of that program. So we're currently in the UCF incubator and uh, we're also part of an accelerator out in Silicon Valley called GSE Labs. Um, I think they just changed their name to One Valley Ventures, but um, you know, having support around you and having mentors and having people that believe in you uh, really, really does go a long way. 
I think that's a really good testimony as to what can come out of our Central Florida area. As you guys know, a lot of times, you know, people will say, oh, there's not any funding that comes from really Orlando. And you guys are just crushing that in that area. Didn't you, I think I remember, because Patrick came back with lots of good news. Um, I Didn't you guys meet with one of the sharks from Shark Tank? Yes, yeah. Um, and Kevin Harrington is uh, currently one of our partners. Um, and so he's involved in the business and he helps us uh, on the fundraising side, helps us on the, you know, uh, networking with big events and speakers and uh, has really been a great brand advocate for us. And uh, we'll be speaking on stage at our conference and uh, he's a really great guy in general. And we're actually going to be hanging out with, uh, at a Super Bowl event that will be on our platform on February 6th. So we're really excited. And that's just one of the examples of what he's able to help us with um, in terms of bringing us new events and uh, connecting us with industry partners. Oh, that's a game changer. You're going to be at the Super Bowl. We will be outside of the Super Bowl. Where is the Super Bowl this year? Uh, it's in Tampa, Florida. So only about an hour oh. and a half of us. Yeah. Super close. So we, uh, we're sponsoring that event and we'll have some of the, um, some of the bays of, at Top Golf, and there's going to be a lot of celebrities there. So it's going to be a good time. Um, and that's just like what we were saying. That's exactly what we envisioned when we started the company is you know, being involved in this industry and, and having a good time while doing it. So. That is very, very exciting. So this is a wealth of great news. I am just uh, so happy that you're sharing it here with us. And as it goes out into the community, it will extend. Our show is actually heard uh, not only in the United States, but also in Canada. And we, we're beginning to touch over there in the uh, European areas of the world. So, you know, we're getting a little bit more of a global reach, I'll definitely say. But um, we can, yeah, yeah. So that's very, very exciting. I'm, I'm looking forward to people hearing it. So um, you talked about why you started ViewStub and part of the journey here. Um, but what is the best thing you think about being an entrepreneur? And this is for each of you. And then what is the, the challenge uh, about startup life? Because we know when they say the grind, nobody understands that until you actually have walked in these shoes, right? Absolutely. So Spencer, years, 15 years, I think. Oh, uh, yeah. When they say overnight success, it is not overnight. It is 15 years to get to be like a global presence out there. I'm going to let Patrick go first, night. though. They, they should just say every night, because that's really what it is. It's working oh, yeah. all night. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. 24-7 almost. 24-7. So, Patrick, you go first. What's the best thing and then the most challenge that you personally have experienced? Uh, the best thing would probably, well, there's a lot of really great things. I would say some of the top ones would be able to, you know, take risks and kind of create new ideas, be creative. Um, you know, if you work for a company and even if you're high up in a company, you have a lot of politics or you have to do a lot of meetings or um, vice versa. So, of course, being an entrepreneur in a small company, you know, you're able to, you know, do a lot more innovative stuff and watch it unfold like pretty quickly compared to working in a large company, right? Because even if you come up with the idea and it's a thousand employees and even though you're head charge or head cheese, um, you know, it may still take like a year to even see it happen because of the way, how big the company is. Um, so I would say that's like one of my favorite things. As far as one of the biggest challenges would just be the uncertainty um, I think Tony Robbins came up with a quote would be um, the, the amount of success that you're going to obtain is the amount of uncertainty that you could deal with or something like that. Ooh, um, that's good. I, I don't think I got the words right, but it, it's it's along that line. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, <clears throat> it's not being afraid of uh, risk or of the unknown. Just being brave and just keep pushing through. I'm paraphrasing myself based on what I understood. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How about you, Spencer? Yeah, I, I really think that's one of my top mottos is just to be um, comfortable with being uncomfortable uh, and then right. also to be as, as resilient as possible. Uh, and I know that we've had our fair share of um, closed doors, uh, no's, rejections. Uh, you know, we ran two years on very minimal revenues, right? Um, just it took us, you know, that long to build the software. Uh, it took us that long to be able to start to, you know, have a, a sustainable product, you know, that was... Uh, you know, functional enough to, to support larger events. And uh, we just continue to, you know, work on that. So I think the best thing for me is to kind of see some of the hard work that, that we put in and 
and the team, you know, and seeing their, uh, you know, their kind of pride in the product and, and also the camaraderie that we have on the team. Uh, and then with the people in general, like, so not only the team, but uh, our investors, our other partners, um, of course, when I say partners, I'm always referring to our organizers uh, and referrals, uh, referral partners, because uh, we're able to help them get more reach. We're able to help them get more revenue. Uh, and we, we do it in a way where, uh, you know, they're not, uh, or we're not successful unless they're successful. And so I think that's my favorite part about it. Um, and then the least favorite part um, would be just the time that it takes, um, you know, because we, you know, we have this vision and we kind of know what we want the outcome to be. But it, like you said earlier, it's not overnight. Um, and, you know, we constantly have a five-year plan. So, you know, just looking mm -hmm. at well, like, you know, what we're doing today, um, it's our job to be looking at the future. Um, mm -hmm. And so that constant um, struggle with wanting to uh, be an achiever, uh, but never being satisfied um, is, is like a paradox. And so uh, you're kind of kind of like stuck in this limbo space of like, oh, that's great, you know, and you're trying to give yourself credit and trying to be, um, you know, happy with, with the things you're accomplishing and achieving, but uh, you're always thinking about what's next. And so then you're, you're like always wanting more, you know, and, and so that's, that's one thing I've noticed is, is a struggle. One of the things that I think is uh, where I've always kept my eye on, personally, this is like what I think is rewarding, is I wanted to be able to hire people. I didn't want to have contractors. I didn't want to be by myself anymore. I, as you know, like an independent consultant, I went, I want a team. And I, I wanted people that want to grow something together. And that I, I've got that, you know, I'm not where you guys are. I haven't gotten funding yet, but you know, it's right around the corner is what I absolutely believe. And when that happens, everything changes because I, I can't imagine how you both felt when you were able to hire people. And I remember when the announcement came out, I saw Blair that you hired Blair and I went, I was really enjoying that because I'm not a part of you guys, but I was going, that has to feel so good to hire people. Yep. And, and really a lot of them have taken a leap of faith with us. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we certainly haven't always paid market rates. Uh, we've had support from career source. Uh, we've had to, you know, uh, have months where, you know, certain individuals would uh, have their salaries deferred and, you know, it's, it's a roller coaster, right. And those, those members of our team that have been there since day one, they really understand uh, the, the goals that we have and the objectives that we have. And uh, I think we're all, you know, fully committed. Uh, we've we've really found those individuals that are committed to the um, to the long term goals that we that we've set up and uh, that we're really excited to to execute on. And you you learn pretty quickly uh, the type of individual that someone is uh, after working with them for just a few weeks. Um, and there's certain people who, you know, aren't aren't cut out for entrepreneurship, right? And we've had our fair share of people join the team and uh, have different expectations. Uh, and then when they realize, you know, this is a uh, fast paced, you know, I don't have a clear cut role necessarily. Um, this is not a cookie cutter job. Uh, and that there's going to be a lot of different hats they're going to have to wear and a lot of problems they're going to have to solve um, with their own critical thinking skills. Um, and, and working in a team uh, is something that is not necessarily um, something you could teach. Uh, and it, it has to be innate in that individual. And um, I think our team today has a lot of those individuals. So and, and, I would uh, agree with you. Yeah, yeah. Having someone with, like Patrick with an amazing work ethic and a good management um, skill set uh, helps as well because it really uh, takes a lot of motivation uh, for those individuals and encouragement. Uh, and they really have to believe in the vision. So, yeah, you two are a really good match, I think, because you're both, this is my perception, honestly. Uh, so, I don't know what it's like to work with either of you directly. Mm -hmm. However, I think that you both are very, um, level-headed and that you're very consistent. You don't seem to go up and down in your emotions. Um, I think that you're both really good biz business guys. So I think that you've done very well. And you're- you seeing us when we first started. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's kind of like learning to dance, right? It's like, oh, uh, we're not in sync, but now you two are really in sync. Yeah, one of my mentors told me that a long time ago. Um, you're gonna have so many ups and downs. Um, you don't wanna ride those peaks and valleys, you know, mm -hmm. um, because you're gonna get exhausted. Um, and so it's, 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 it's kind of horrible for entrepreneurs because you don't want to be too excited when you, you know, do good things because you know that there's right around the corner, there's going to be more challenges. And then you also don't want to live in the, 
in the uh, setbacks because then you're going to get down, right? So you always have to stay with this buffer uh, right in the middle. So you're never too happy and you're never too, uh, you know, just like mm -hmm. you said. Yeah. I sit here and I go, oh my gosh, let's celebrate. And we might spend five minutes celebrating. Okay, get back to work. <laughs> like, that's it. And just jump back into it. You have to. Yeah, you sure do. So we're going to take a timeout for just a few seconds here. We're going to acknowledge our sponsor. The Intern Whisper is part of InternPursuit.tech and InternPursuit Game. And we want to thank Cat5 Studios for producing our show. The Intern Whisperer is brought to you by Cat5 Studios, who help you create games and videos for your training and marketing needs that are out of this world. Visit Cat5 Studios for more information to learn how Cat5 Studios can help your business. Thank you, Cat5 Studios. We're jumping back into our show, and it is about the future of work, job opportunities, and internships, and great mentoring advice. So guys, what does your industry look like five years from now for jobs and also, and I'll throw in before that, COVID. Let's deal with COVID because I know Spencer, you said, I think this year, but I don't know if you meant like last year when COVID happened, like stuff was jumping for you guys because people are going, oh no, how are we going to do live events? That had to have been a turning point for you. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I, I think you're right. I should say uh, 2020 uh, when I'm talking about the year. So uh, it was... Um, you know, funny story, we had just launched in-person event features, right? And so we, we had already built out all the virtual event stuff and we were hitting a few roadblocks with customers uh, who were very successful in the events industry. The events industry was growing tremendously fast um, and we would hit, hit these roadblocks because they would say like, why do I care about virtual? I'm doing so well with my in-person, it's gonna cannibalize my sales. And our thing was always, no, it's complimentary. You're gonna get more sales, right? Um, but they just they didn't really see the vision so we pivoted a little bit and added the in-person features uh, to truly become a hybrid platform. And then, of course, COVID happened and in-person events went to zero uh, for yep. a long time. And so all that work that we had set up uh, for our marketing and for, um, for everything uh, we had to put on pause. And I think it's pretty much still on pause. Uh, we even built out like a proprietary QR code scanner and things for checking people in at the door. Uh, but the whole entire industry was affected. Um, I know that there were a lot of our friends who were furloughed. Um, a few of our newest team members came from other companies who were no longer able to support them. Uh, one of our uh, fellow colleagues who has another event tech company that we were going to potentially um, merge with and partner with um, ended up not being able to support his payroll, uh, had to do a fire sale of the company. Um, and, and just a lot of things were happening. And, you know, to be honest, we didn't really know what was going to happen either. I mean, we were so bombarded with demand for what we had, um, but we didn't have an infrastructure to support that. You know, we didn't really have um, anybody else except for Patrick and I and our, and our dev team, our, our actual developers. So he, him and I were doing all the executive sales. Um, and so we had to also go completely remote at that time, uh, you know, because of COVID. And uh, it was just a, a huge challenge to be able to add new team members and to be able to support all of these new customers in a new world, you know, in a new normal. Uh, and so the, the challenge was, was high, you know, and um, I think, you know, we've, we've talked about this and we might have uh, grown faster had it not been for COVID, of course, I think everyone would say that. Um, yeah. And on the other side of that coin, it did bring a lot of attention to our company. Um, it certainly helped uh, for, you know, from a PR perspective and uh, from, you know, just an awareness, you know, um, I, you know, um, campaign kind of. Uh, right. Yeah. I get you. How about you, Patrick? What do you think the forecast looks like for your industry? Um, event streaming, live, even pre-recorded events, five years from now, because Spencer did a great job of sharing what it looked like, you know, with COVID. It could change a lot for some businesses that either pushed them forward or, you know, took them out of, out of the, um, the market. So five years from now, everything's wonderful, best case scenario, but Five years from now, it could be something else. What do you think? Mm -hmm. Yeah, anything can happen, right? But um, one of the best things to come out of this and why the next few years in the event industry would be great would be essentially because a lot of event organizers had to learn and be adaptive. Um, before COVID, you know, a lot of them were kind of just using like the same technology, you know, their same old ways. 
And when COVID hit, they were like, oh, okay, well, I'm not going to either pay my bills or I'm going to have to make something work. Um, so I think it kind of kicked a lot of, um, of our types of customers in the event industry in the butt and got a lot of people to think differently. Um, and now that they're thinking differently right now, um, makes them, you know, they're going to come up with all crazy kinds of technology, like, or ways to use the technology in their events in the next few years, which I think is going to provide such a better experience for, um, you know, the attendees, uh, you know, so I think, I think it's going to be overall great as long as it, like another COVID doesn't happen, which probably mm -hmm. won't. Hopefully not. But you know, what I think could end up happening is I'm a Star Trek fan, Star Wars and Star Trek, honestly. But I sit here and I think, I think that stuff that we'll see in the future is that people, there's going to be like holograms, like we'll be immersed into it and we'll feel like we're there. So some method of virtual reality. So it's not just like what we do now, which is Zoom and we can watch it. And we see it from almost a third person type of a view you know it's like we're in the background but I think it's going to be more interactive do you guys see it going that way I think that's what would happen yeah absolutely I, I know that the the concept review stuff really was centered around interactive um, content and um, you know 360 video was something I know Pastor, Patrick and I were both very passionate about um, for for all of 2018 and uh, the company beyond 360 was centered around you know creating 3D virtual um, venues and environments and then embedding uh, 360 videos into those environments um, and uh, we still think that the industry can go that way and we've seen a lot of um, you know platforms today that have really uh, conference space and, and uh, simulated environments for us we, we certainly wanted to be a little bit more mainstream first when we launched uh, with a plan to come back and circle back to some more of those features as it becomes more prevalent um, but you know I, I like to say that uh, we like you know to think of events right now as hybrid, right? We call them hybrid and um, I don't think that will go away. And I think we'll start to call all events, um, essentially events again, right? Just like cars, like we call we call cars, uh, hybrid cars, but when they're all hybrid, we're just gonna call them cars, right? Same thing with events. We're calling them hybrid events today, but uh, there will always be a virtual component um, because people will demand it now. Um, now that people are so comfortable with this digital format, uh, there's no, really no reason why they can't attend online if they're not able to make it in person. Um, and this has just accelerated that, that notion. But uh, I think like Patrick said, the organizers are starting to see this revenue stream. They're starting to see the increased reach um, and engagement with their audiences. And then they're also you know, starting to see really cool tech, um, like the ability to do holograms and uh, you know, bring a speaker from across the, across the world uh, to the stage uh, and make it look like they're actually there. Uh, and I've seen a couple of events that have done that. Um, and then uh, we have some ideas right now uh, around augmented reality inside of our experiences. So um, yeah, it's, it's definitely on the forefront. Uh, I'm really excited for haptics though. You know, so you can go to a virtual event, stick out your hand, you know, and feel someone else's hand in yours with the, yeah. with the gloves, um, all kinds of cool stuff like that. Um, but I, I know it'll be at least a few years before we see anything like that. Um, it's all about the hardware. Yeah, say. it is. And about the cost and, you know, how accessible that can be for people. Mm -hmm. Because I went to Web Summit in Portugal, in Lisbon, Portugal, and they have over 70,000 people that attend. That was the biggest event I have ever, ever been at in my whole life. And when COVID happened, like everything stopped, everything stopped, all of those events. And I, the ones that were super innovative were able to, you know, put it back online very quickly and still see a result. For me, if I can't go to Lisbon, Portugal, I would love the opportunity to participate in a virtual way. Yes. And I think, and I don't mean just Zoom, like what you were just describing, that I think is gonna be the way to do it. Anyway, um, so going back here, what would it look like, because you guys have had interns before, what would it look like to intern over at ViewStep? And of course, I know it depends on the role they have, but let's just talk about your culture. For sure. Uh, we when had, I don't know, how many interns uh, over the life of the company, Patrick, um, from finance interns when we had our um, office um, on campus at UCF uh, to web development interns that are, that are now employees um, to uh, marketing team members that have been interns. Uh, and we try to keep everybody. Uh, we don't ever want anyone to leave. Uh, but, you know, with the nature of internships, it's typically a stepping stone for them. Uh, and we always encourage them to, to, to follow their career path. And uh, for us, we 
we always start our interview process with trying to find out who this person is and what their uh, what their goals are uh, professionally and personally, um, because we don't want anyone to join the team that isn't going to benefit. Right. And that's really right. important to us because we don't expect this to be the last place that you ever work. Um, and so for us, we you know really care about continuing education uh, for them while they're with us. Um, so we'll send, you know, our development team to the Amazon conference um, or we'll find a certification for them online or, you know, with the sales team, we try to continuously uh, bring in consultants and training uh, because if we can help them become a better, you know, professional, then uh, that's going to translate into what they're doing with our company. Um, then also uh, it's a part of a retention strategy for us, you know, to, to let them know that we care about their professional and personal growth. Um, but in general, uh, and Patrick can attest to this, we have a fun culture. Uh, we're pretty laid back. We don't we don't micromanage. Um, we feel like uh, if we hire the right people, uh, they're going to hold themselves accountable. Um, and then we just you know always are very transparent from a leadership perspective, so that everyone knows where we're going, and you know they should be able to take their own their own direction to follow uh, or to contribute or to even lead in terms of what their individual roles are. Um, and so we like to do team lunches, right, Patrick? We like to you know take everyone out. We're going to um, do axe throwing next Friday. So constantly just trying to get together and, um, you know, just, we really value everyone's opinions and, and percept, you know, for, uh, perspective. Yep. That is very true. So I'm going to go to Patrick best mentoring advice that you want to pass on to somebody else that's listening, um, can be an entrepreneur. Our audience is actually a mix of more businesses, truthfully, so any type, of, because people like the startup stories, honestly. Um, but what advice would you pass on to another entrepreneur? Obviously that could be a student just like you guys that was in school studying it. And what um, is the best advice, mentoring advice you've received? We'll go to you first and then we'll go to Spencer. Um, I'll, well, I'll probably start with the best I've ever received and it actually goes for both personal and business. Um, but essentially, Someone said to me uh, a couple of years ago, um, they were a business owner, just a small business owner, pretty successful though. They said, uh, your problems never go away, they just change. And um, you meet a lot of people that just say like, oh, once I get this done, and you could definitely tell like, even if they don't say like things will get easier, like, you know, hurrah, um, you, you know that they think that there's some kind of relief when they say that. Um, so it's just great. And we also, I remind a lot of our team members, you know, that, you know, keep saying um, like, oh, I just got done with this and this and that. And now I have to do this. And now this is happening. And I say like, hey, look, wherever you are in life, your problems will never go away. They will just change. Um, so I think once you learn that in every aspect of your life, uh, thing, your mentality gets stronger um, to tackle those challenges. So um and then I would, I would probably just say that's what I give as far as advice. If it was like the number one um, advice or another thing I also give is, um, you know, break it down into every five minutes during the day and always think to yourself, is this five minutes that I'm spending doing this task? Is this going to have the biggest risk to reward ratio um, that is going to do like going to move me forward? Um, a lot of people say they work hard. A lot of people think say they work smart. Um, I think that both, you can't even do both. I think that it's doing the right work. And I think that comes from always analyzing what you're doing to have the biggest return. That's good stuff there. Um, best mentor you've had? Who was it? Do you know? Um, I've had a lot of mentors. Um, I learned pick from, one. <laughs> um, I couldn't even pick one, uh, to be honest. It's uh, hard, right? Yeah, it's hard. I just, I would say I've learned everything from people that had nothing all the way up to very wealthy people. Um, I would say it's all equal. And, um, you know, I think that mentality of just trying to gain, not gain, but trying to understand where people's perspectives are when they talk about things is you could kind of take a little piece away um, from what they talk about, even if it's negative or good or about a story or anything. So. That's good stuff there. How about you, Spencer? Advice, well, mentoring that you want to share to others, and then the best mentoring advice you've received. Sure. Um, so kudos to Patrick. Uh, I remember when we, when we were first getting started, he would always tell me, you know, how you do one thing is how you do everything. Um, and so that always resonated with me. And uh, it really, you know, sets the standard for, for your work and how, how you um, want to get everything done. 
Uh, and then, you know, like you said, there is only a finite amount of time. And so, you know, as I'm being mentored, uh, I'm also mentoring others. And when I talk to them, you know, first thing I tell them, you know, is uh, that, you know, essentially you have all these things that you want to do, right? And that's normally what I hear, like, oh, you know, I have all these things I need to do. And then I, they're like a five-year plan, right? Uh, and I'm going to get to $100 million. Well, that's amazing, you know, but what are you going to do in the next five minutes? Right? What are you going to do in the next five days? Right? What, what are you going to do right now? Right? And that always stumps them because they've planned everything out, right? But they don't actually always backwards engineer it um, to today. Because in my opinion, what you do today is going to change what you do tomorrow, right? So uh, it's, it's a constant evolution, right? And you're constantly pivoting. Um, so it's more about, you know, yeah, you want to know that you want to get to the moon, but shoot for the stars or, you know, that saying, right? Like you want to just know you're going in that direction, but taking the punches as you go and being able to flex. Um, and I think that's the most important thing is not having such a rigid plan um, and trying to plan everything. Uh, it's really about being flexible uh, and resilient. Uh, so the resilience part is, is really important. Um, and I know most people have probably heard that, but uh, you really are going to get knocked down a lot and you really have to always be coming up with creative solutions um, to your problems. But um, so a couple of people uh, that come to mind, Sean, Sean Bag um, was our first mentor for the company. He said, uh, cult your brand. And I'll never forget that. And obviously he has a lot of experience um, with, you know, uh, working in uh, packaged goods for consumers and, you know, understands that. And, and we've always uh, really tried to cult our brand. Uh, so I have to give credit to him uh, for that one. And uh, my, you know, my number one mentor though, uh, would be my stepfather. Uh, I kind of had a rich dad, poor dad situation, I realized, and I didn't realize that my stepfather was a mentor to me as much as he was. And I know uh, he might have been intentionally, you know, mentoring me, but I didn't realize it at the time, but I was always watching what he was doing and uh, watching how he was growing his business. And then uh, my, my, my actual father, my biological father, uh, my whole life uh, was also uh, an entrepreneur and uh, didn't have as much success, but uh, taught, me, taught me values, you know, like work ethic and, and those types of things that um, integrity that have always you know, been a part of, of who I am. So we want to thank our guests for being a part of this conversation. And we're going to move into what does the future of the online event industry look like? The biggest question is, can online events replicate the exact physical conference experience? Key questions that come up are, how visually appealing is the platform? Will the audience be wowed? How will technical support be provided for the whole event? How much is the learning curve? And has the online platform been stress tested to handle a large audience? In my opinion, the last two questions are the most important, particularly keeping in mind the audience and speaker experiences. Those platforms that focus on user experience have to be flexible to third-party integrations and stable. That seems to be the most important things and the learning curve. We wanna be able to make sure that we're getting value out of the event. This switch from physical to virtual places has new emphasis on technologies like VR, virtual reality, augmented reality, artificial intelligence, and robotics. All are still in early stages, yet they look to set a real definition of generations to come, what the expectations will be. So as tech moves, so do the generations attached to them. Millennial, their mindset is to have personalization and meaning, technology, storytelling, community. It's blurring the lines between work and personal life. But what, what about the generations after them and after them? 30 years from now, our events and exhibitions will be attended by Gen Alpha. To appeal to these individuals, organizations, organizers will need to rewrite the exhibition rulebook. The link between the physical space and events has already been broken. Will the physical space ever matter again? This is a question to ask. We're, we're made for relationship. We like being around each other. We want to be around humans. So how is that going to be bridged? Will the nature of networking change also beyond recognition as to what we know now? So what will these engagement experience 
look like, you know, for 2021 and beyond. So let's look at one of the first experiences. Food, beverages, goodie bags, and gift bag vouchers are offered to the attendees. I attended an event, um, an online webinar, and I had lunch delivered to me. It was great. It was like being there, but I didn't get to see the people around in the room with me. That was one of the downsides to it. But when you go to conferences, we should expect these types of things coming into more popularity as sponsors begin to help burden or share that burden of cost. So there's been a conference that was uh, shared that was in India and food delivery platforms were really big there. And they had food delivered to the virtual participants. You should expect more activities that include goodie bags, gifts, and even beer soon be being delivered. This will be subject to different regions regulations. However, this could pose an additional challenge, such as the virtual attendee could be more worried about the food being delivered on time than actually participating productively at the sessions. Currently, digital rewards like e-commerce gift vouchers or access to digital solutions seem easier to handle. Another experience is creating more optics with virtual avatars and using AR and virtual reality experiences. People love visually appealing content and especially if it's novel. Conference organizers can leverage virtual avatars, holograms, 3D storytelling, augmented reality content, and even virtual reality headsets that create an immersive experience. While innovative visual communication technologies are going to grow rapidly, it's also important to always keep in mind the purpose of the conference to avoid getting too distracted. I attended PodFest. It was a global summit. There were over 5,000 people that attended. It was amazing. It ran so well. Another conference I attended with hundreds of people was Serious Play. And then I think about how I attended Web Summit in 2019, where there were over 70,000 people that attended. What would that look like? So a platform coordinator, making sure that all of the breakout rooms, all of the speakers, the events, the music, whatever it is that's going on, it all has to be coordinated the same as if it was on the ground. They will be in high demand. Audience experience designers, sponsor success managers, virtual session chairs, Zoom jockeys, live stream engagement leaders, and audience experience designers. These are all some of the new things that are coming out of the online experience conferences. We also have social media and content marketers. Their roles have been completely redefined, even fine-tuned actually, to drive results in line with the events formats and the objective. So virtual event speakers and participants may not accept the excuse of, oh, this session is gonna be delayed. So we're really gonna to have to have the right people being educated to make these events go without a hiccup. So the third experience would be increased third party integrations and strategic partners to succeed. So it may not be feasible for companies to have the entire gamut of event experiences and platform features built in-house as the whole space is evolving. The need to integrate or make use of third-party solutions on demand is gonna be really important. To think of it, companies and team members have their own strengths and if co-opted well, it could turn into a force multiplier. Even prior to the pandemic, during physical events, the organizers would introduce us to their app partner or sponsors or other team members that would be looking for ways for us to engage with them. This may well become the norm during virtual experiences as well. So we should be seeing hybrid events as the future of events. This one that's a crossover between on the ground events as well as events with hundreds, thousands of people attending. 
Right now, some states will only allow a maximum of 20 to 50 people to gather together at a single location, depending on what those rules are based on region again, where thousands of others could participate remotely. A hybrid event format brings together the charm of physical presence, as well as the convenience of a remote participation. Event organizers need to treat the physical and the virtual event as two separate experiences. And that makes sense, right? Because you're using different senses. When you're doing anything online, it's very, very visual. Certainly you need to have great audio because you're listening to it, but you're not gonna be smelling things. You're not gonna be touching things like you would in an online event. And it's not gonna have the same interaction because you should be in a safe space due to COVID. The vision of the hybrid events is usually to have in-person networking experiences coupled with digital content broadcast to a much wider audience. Attendees will be able to pick and choose how much of their time that they use. Do they wanna use it for travel or do they want to invest it in the event? Those are important considerations because they impact your budget. The biggest events will be open to anyone. As I mentioned, it was Web Summit, 70,000 people that attended. It's gonna be interesting to see how that changes this year. But let's look at like South by Southwest and the Sundance Film Festival. They draw millions of people from all over the world. At that scale, the capacity of vendors like hotels and venues can become an issue. But at these events, anyone that wants to attend virtually the door is open. So the capacity of vendors like hotels, as I mentioned earlier, they have limitations. But when we're talking about being virtual, we can definitely see quite a bit and hear the big name speakers in the bands in real time. Entertainment as well as professional development, the democratization of top tier events will make a world of difference. Barriers like price, time off, and ticket volumes shut many workers out. They are unable to go. In-person events will gain exclusivity. Due to how common their virtual counterparts will become, in-person events will increase in status and demand. They may also transform the topics and the types of attendees they attract. So according to Lauren O'Brien, she's COO of VentureBeat and VB Transform, she shared, we believe that in-person events will remain highly desirable for executives, mainly for the networking and one-to-one -one in-person meetings that they will facilitate. And that makes perfect sense. In a virtual event, networking simply isn't the same. The sensation of sharing a room with influential people doesn't translate well over an internet connection. In-person events are here to stay. We're built for relationships and meeting humans, and it is going to stay. Artificial intelligence. Now we're going to look at 2050. AI will no longer be discussed in excited tones as a concept, add-on feature, or hot topic. It will be a pervasive technology underpinning almost every aspect of the event experience. From the logistic, ticket sales, venue, and transport booking, and attendee management, to the experiential. Intelligent facial recognition software using deep learning algorithms could completely transform the exhibitor attendee relationship matrix. Hosts could immediately know who a delegate is, their professional histories, hot and cold points, and whether they're just dropping by to say hello or in the market for business. AI has the potential to make the interpersonal experience seamless and constructive for all parties. The event feedback loop will be instantaneous, meaningful, and inherently implementable. Chatbots. This is always something that we've seen on the front of the websites that we're familiar with, but they're gonna be used to stimulate conversation with human users, especially as we mentioned before, over the internet. They offer a great deal of customer service, but the artificial intelligent chatbots will be the norm in 2050. Augmented reality. What could that mean for events? 
location, aware branded hologram characters could materialize when you are nearing a particular stand, encouraging you to stop by. Meanwhile, icebreaker network sessions could be transformed, bringing participants together in a treasure hunt style mission. The real value of AR for events lies here in the gamification of an otherwise work-related exhibition. In other words, making the experience fun. And then we jump over to virtual reality. This one promises to take users to an entirely alternative space and time. As a technology, its application to the event experience is thrilling. It has the power to transport delegates outside the conference hall, completely altering the dynamics of product demonstrations. It will underpin hybrid events, creating experiences outside the usual definitions of space and time. For example, I have gone to the ITSEC conference and it is one of the biggest national conferences in simulation in virtual reality and augmented reality. And when I've gone to these things, they use devices such as 360 video and other ways of making sure that somebody feels the impact of that event. But let's just use this example. An aerospace manufacturer wants to impress an international delegation with a tour of their latest model. They will no longer have to rely on a 360 videos displayed on a screen. Instead, they will be able to offer visitors the opportunity to walk around the aircraft, touch its engine, because by 2050, haptic technology will be widespread also, and take a VR test flight, all from the exhibition floor, thousands of miles from the factory. Currently, VR requires users to don a headset, and while untethered versions are now available, in the future, there will be no barrier to immersion at all. On a practical note, VR could also transform the democratization of events. In cases where it would be beneficial for an entire department to attend, just think about it. The company could only send one person before, but now they could send a whole team to experience the event remotely. It goes without saying that by the time Gen Alpha is launched into the world of business, they will be used to communicating and interacting in a virtual world as millennials are on social media. Will events even need a physical venue? If not, our recent experience shows that the digital events can deliver results. Then the future is limited only to our imagination. In 2050, the keynote speech at the Astronomical Society Convention could be hosted on the moon or a wildlife conservation meeting in the middle of the Kalari Desert. Just think about what that event might look like. So guys, how can people reach you? Is it through LinkedIn? How? Feel free to share your number. Of course, your website, we're gonna have that up there on the social feed, but how can people find you? Ustub and also you guys personally. Spencer, you wanna go first? Sure, absolutely. Um, yes, yeah, so you can email me, spencer at viewstub.com, and I will be happy to connect with you. And if you're looking for advice, um, you know, if, if you're looking to get started, uh, I, would, I would say, if not now, when, right? And that's what I kind of was told at that time. And, you know, if, if you don't um, take the risk, uh, you, won't, you won't be able to succeed. But also, what's the worst that could happen? You end up right back where you started. Um, and you know, so I encourage anyone that's out there to go ahead and get started. But uh, email me. I'm pretty bad at social media um, and I'm pretty bad at email as well, um, but I will certainly get back to you eventually. I don't, I don't miss any emails. That is true. How about you, Patrick? How can people get a hold of you? LinkedIn, Patrick Van Dusen. Okay. <laughs> that is right. uh, simple, um, very simple. And then with the most creative note, uh, when you request me, um, that way you could stand out and you really want to connect. That's how you know, you got to be very creative. Um, but you can find the company at ViewStub on pretty much every social media channel. So. so nice to know. So if we go to your website, I'm pretty sure links to your social channels are there also, mm -hmm. right? Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. So that's good to know. Um, and then let's see if there's anything else. Nope. 
Um, one more time, that website, I, I'm really glad that he's a really good salesperson because he put that website right out there. That was the first thing he offered. So what is the website again, Patrick? Viewstub.com. There you go. So yeah. for all of our listeners, if you guys want to get to know these uh, two gentlemen, be sure to look for them on LinkedIn, visit their website. I'm going to guess they have a chat bot on there too. So you can communicate with them that way. But thank you guys for being on the show. It's been a delight. This is truly when we did our top um, our top 12 favorite episodes from 2020, I can already tell this is going to be my 2021 favorite because what a good conversation. Thanks, guys. Awesome. We really appreciate you, Isabella, and you're a great person. Uh, no.